0: Hello, and welcome to Command Dollar's first podcast. Unfortunately, Sean is not here to join us tonight, so I will be your mediator for tonight.
1: And my name is Mr. X. Hey guys, Kevin's here. I make all the really crappy
2: gifts. Hey, Ryan. I used to do the weekly deck clinics.
3: I'm Kara, and everybody's wrong except for me.
4: Uh, I'm Donald, also known as Chef. I bring up all the Kirky cards nobody knows about. So the first thing we're going to talk about, our first question for tonight...
0: What goes through your mind when you see an opponent's commander, but before the game starts? So when you first start shuffling and you see that your opponent puts the commander in the zone, what's your initial thought?
1: I guess when I see it, I always think, all right, I see, like, let's say Riku. Which direction are they going to go? Are they going to go for the sorceries, An instance? Are they going to go for the creature? It's almost like a guessing game until you start seeing how it fleshes out later.
0: Well, but just by making your initial... You turn over and it's Riku, or it's Rafiq of the many. What is your initial thought? How do you interpret the player? Or what do you? what is your mindset become?
3: The very first thing that I personally analyze when somebody flips over the commander is the quality of commander compared to the other commanders in that color combination. For example, um, I believe, is it, is it uh, Vishkal that's black-white? I would personally play Vishkal over Kesa any day if I was playing black-white, and I'm a more competitive player. Oftentimes, when you look at an individual's commander, you can gauge what type of player they are simply by comparing it to the other commanders of that color. So...
0: But what about, what about when you have, say, a commander you don't necessarily see? Maybe, or an older one, someone from you know, the older days, maybe one of the original Dragon? older dragons.
3: That's kind of cool. I mean, more power to them. That's a lot of fun. Maybe not every... You can play to win with any commander in any deck, but you can also... It, it takes, like, playing the game with the person to get it. So
1: I cool. would the older stuff. I think they're probably just being... trying to be creative with something, because a lot of people don't look at the older commanders as much, uh, I guess, looking at the more recent meta, uh, meta. They want to they want to try out the new things. And when you see the older stuff, you're like, hey, classic player, cool. I would
4: say uh, I look actually at the colors before anything else. Uh, typically, if I see some deck that has a subset of blue, green, and then anything else, mm-hmm. I get worried. I uh, If there's any, like, notorious commanders, I pick which players I need to watch their first few turns. If I'm seeing, you know, foil unhinged lands and incredibly powerful mana rocks, that's like a big warning light. The commanders really only tell me who to look at the first couple turns.
0: So, what types of commanders do you look for that kind of put a target on, you, would you say? Like, what kind of commanders initially paint that target for you?
2: Anything uh, in Esper Colors.
4: I would say that uh, Maelstrom Wander is a really big one. Uh, Zagana is a very big one. Ruffy. More recently, we've got um, the, the big uh, big monster in the room, Bug Commander, used to be Damia, but now that we have Tassager if yeah. I see a Tassager that's a very big warning siren.
0: It's true. I mean, and between that, especially because of just his, how useful he is between being able to delve him on the field and like just as, his ability to bring things back. Yeah. As
3: someone who plays Damia nearly religiously, when you see them flip over a tassager. The, the first thing to go through my mind is awesome, eventually I'm going to cast this Damia and out card advantage them." and then you're like, oh wait, they're going to drop Tassigar like four turns before me
1: how <laughs> do exactly. yeah, you guys I feel cool. about Joyra?
3: she is a 2-2 for 3 for two colorless mana, you can remove a non-land card in your hand from the game put four time counters on the removed card, if it does not have suspend, it gains suspense So effectively, you pay two mana, exile a card in your hand, and in four turns, you are going to cast it for free.
4: Joira, I always have to be a little bit worried if there's going to be a a Decree of Annihilation type effect coming in awfully early. Joira, a lot of the time, like, at her worst, has a reputation for you suspend a uh, Mass Land Destruction spell or a full board wipe spell, uh, and then you also suspend anything to win with. Any creature... So that you can come out with a wincon after your obliterate or what have you goes off.
3: Exodia. Um, okay. So,
4: Joyra is a lot of is one of the decks I'm not willing to give a lot of um, mercy to in the early turns. Uh, some players, if you know, they've got uh, if they don't want to make any enemies, they'll hold their stuff back uh, in the early turns to sort of feel it out. Joyra, I won't hold back. Uh, if I can put Joyra at five by turn eight, uh, I leave Joyra at five. And just let so long work. as they're not threatening to win the game, but Joyra, mm, very scary.
0: I can agree. All right, so let's move on. So now we've got all these multicolor
4: commanders that we're discussing.
0: So, how do you deal personally with multicolor mana bases? And I'll ask this question too, because this is kind of where we're going with it. Are coming into play tapped lands too slow for a commander format?
2: I play with the coming into play uh, tapped lands mostly because my meta allows that. Uh, it's really meta-dependent if you play with a bunch of really, really uh, try-hard people. It's not ever going to work, because they'll just steamroll you for having, for being at that disadvantage. But if, you're, if your playgroup allows for it, there's no real disadvantage there.
3: Don't mind if I answer this question as the self-proclaimed proclaimed queen of mana. Um, <laughs> primarily, the general rule of thumb is one... As few ETB tapped lands as possible going under the assumption that at their worst you are wasting a land drop for that turn and you are losing a singular potential mana. Usually I'm playing green and you can lose a lot more that way when you are trying to get a ramp strategy and you can't uh, get it up so to speak. when you are in two colors it is a lot more forgiving. I run uh, tapped lands in two color decks. I try to limit it to like three at max, but it's you gotta remember like each turn you play an ETB tapped land and most commander players don't think about their mana curve as hard, um, but when you play an ETB tapped land your deck gets that much slower and yeah. you you're, like, wasting a potential resource. So don't run a ton of VTB tapped lands unless you can get away with it, or unless you are getting to a collective voyage with a Lotus Cobra out. That's always fun.
1: Now, I think it also depends upon your budget. Mm
3: -hmm, Mm-hmm.
1: So... If you're if you're a budget player, if you're if you're very casual and you don't want to put a lot of money into it, you may want to put those in because you still need the dual lands. It's oh, not yeah. like you can, you can run. I mean, don't get me wrong; basics are important too.
3: Definitely, always.
1: But, be. but you you need them, and you also have to consider what kinds of ETB tap lands. If you're talking about the Karu lands, yeah, they're really? good. They're really. Good. They're amazing lands, but one thing to remember is if you're playing in somebody who does land removal and they you lose mm-hmm. one of your crews, you just lost two mana. And that Actually,
3: was you lost three. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So you you get you get set back so much. It's so a pretty
3: really hefty risk.
1: I think I think a lot of it is how Casual you are versus how competitive you are. If you're more competitive, you probably don't want to put them into it at all. Most of my decks don't really run them. I, I one one's a little more casual. My Lazab deck has some taps because the, I need the uh, the duels for the blue, the blue black, and everything. But uh, I, I try to avoid it personally.
0: Okay, so Guildgate but in a life.
1: but in the way
0: of say a multiplayer game, you're sitting around with five of your friends, and you're, you know, it's just your your whatever your kitchen table is.
3: What are friends?
0: Very fair question,
3: also. I don't, I don't have those. <laughs> okay. I lose those in EDH. Very fair.
0: It does cause that. But, okay, so you're at a five-player... Say you're in a
3: multiplayer EDH game, I'll say five.
0: Does it... Will it cause that much of a loss in the long term to play ETVs?
3: Potentially. Um,
1: Not necessarily, though, but...
3: Potentially. How about... Here, here's a thought. Here's a thought. As someone who has gotten to do this many a time, and as I live for it. Turn one... Sol ring. Everyone has done it at least once. That puts at you least. You, don't, you don't even have to go. Turn one soul ring grim monolith. Turn one soul ring uh other ramp artifact that's uh, less expensive. Just think about how far ahead that puts you.
0: It's true, you're right. It's I
3: mean having... tapped land early game is a lot worse than playing it late game. Like the Scrylands, I guess are okay if you're starting into a bad hand. But most of the time, contextually, you're going to prefer them late. Otherwise, they're very unforgiving.
0: Well, but even in a multicolor deck, a three or, in a rare case, five-color deck, isn't it, would it be worth it to have that color fix earlier? Was that, is that worth the sacrifice? You don't get the color fix. Well, as compared to playing in a three-color deck, as compared to having all basics, as, as opposed to, I can't afford shock lands, ping lands so I'll just play all basics. Is it worth the setback of just being able to have colors open and available that early? If you're comparing to
1: basics, then yeah.
0: Well, I'm, I'm but, saying,
1: is it, you know, on a budget, is it worth it? There are some very budgety dual lands, so in, in a lot of cases, I, I think it is okay. I yeah. would say it matters a little bit based on
4: what your deck is like, too. Uh, my I recently finished making a Derevi Tokens deck, so Ew. the only tap lands that I put in that are the Karu lands that were reprinted in uh, Modern Masters 2015, the uh, ones that tap for two of each color. The bounce lands, yeah. Because they are so good with Durevi, and I can untap them for quite a lot of mana.
3: hmm There are a couple yeah. lands I'd like to mention. Um, when people think of dual lands, obviously, like, the first thing that comes to mind that's most common that you will see more often than anything else is shock lands. But please yeah. bear in mind, there are other dual ends. you um, right. I like the future sight lands, um, such as Nimbus Maze, where it is the tap add one, add a you can add a white, white mana to your mana pool if you have an island, or you can add a blue mana to your mana pool if you control planes. I also really like the tainted lands if you're playing black, because it's black plus. Check lands are awesome. Check okay. lands, yeah. Check lands a, are very good. So if you don't
0: own of each. I honestly keep a play set aside for the mm-hmm. fact that they are, they not only do they show up every, almost every other year, but they're mm-hmm. just so versatile and they fit in almost any deck.
3: Uh, the fast lands. The fast lands are okay too. They range from like 3 to 10 bucks. Um, they're really good. Gemstone Caverns, Vivid Lands. Yes, the Vivids are very good too.
1: Vivids are fantastic. I really like the Vivids.
0: Vivids, if you don't own those, you need to invest in those for land. The
3: Vivid Lands, for those who do not know, they ETB tapped with counters on them. They tap for a primary color of mana, but you can also remove a counter and tap it instead to use it for any color. Other lands. um, Karus, obviously. The temples that came out in Theros Block were really good and since it's really hard to find the filters the uh the Trilands from oh cons yes block. those the ones tri-lands are bigger. from cons block so good from cons from and ones
1: block. One tri- are great.
0: the cons from cons and Shars block those Trilands are very those are so good oh my God, they're awesome they're owned, i mean surprisingly they're like a dollar a pop but they're very worth it yes they enter the battlefield tapped but having the access to three colors early is really good.
3: Uh-huh. And EDH safe.
1: pain lands are also pretty good too. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yes.
3: Especially when you start at forty life, so you don't really care.
1: The other thing I'm going to mention in the
0: on the opposite side of bad lands, please do yourself a favor and avoid any of the ice land, dual lands, the depletion counter lands. Those things are miserable, mm. and they will literally suck up your life and your game. They seem like they might be okay because, well, if you lose it for a turn, it's not the worst thing on the planet. No, it will literally set you back much more than you're expecting.
1: That in mind, um, if you're working in budget, obviously a lot of the lands that a lot of people want are... I mean, some people won't spend the, the 8 to 12 bucks for a shock land. So what I think is probably important is if you're going to run a lot of basics just because of budget, mana rocks.
3: mm mm-hmm. And the one that nobody has an excuse not to run is Soul Ring. It is in literally every precon deck now. And like, if you
1: want colors and you and you can afford it, Chromatic Lantern.
3: Chromatic Lantern is
1: really or good. Or even Command Tower. Command Tower is still very good for that. Yeah. I it, don't know if I would
4: recommend Chromatic Lantern if you have just a two-color deck. It's certainly you're good. You're right. But you don't need to go out of I your way to do that. I could agree with that. Three or more is probably better.
3: Oh, yeah. Three or more,
4: you should really try to get one if
3: you can. Remember, it makes all your lands apt for any color. It just makes your lands so much better. Now um, there are
1: some enchantments that also do that, though. All right, let's.
3: Uh, let's the us yeah. omen is a billion dollars. Yeah. So. yeah all
1: right, no, so let's. let's,
3: let's when move in doubt, play mazes then.
0: Indeed. Yeah. Let's move <laughs> along. So, the rise of, and I know we've discussed this before. This because the term lost it, but if you look in some of the uh, wizards areas they'll mention it as dual commander what most of us know as the french or the 1v1 commander. how do you think that affects the overall name of commander where commander was originally started as this big name for a format that was designed as a multiplayer a free-for-all and a meme for that how do you think having this formation of a 1v1 format kind of a sub format works within the community i think it's a love paint relationship
3: because it appeals to a different kind of player.
4: I would say one of the things that you need to think of when you are a casual player is you can't get in the mindset that uh, the competitive player is uh, out to ruin your experiment, uh, your experience. Different people want to want to enjoy the game different ways, and if your group is pinched for members, uh, somebody playing French could dampen your experience. But generally, if you've got enough people to go around, the French players will congregate naturally and it will make the people who want a more casual experience more able to just play among themselves.
3: Ooh, and um, the French players, if you've got an extra like, casual-style deck lying around, I've never met anybody who's going to bash on you for wanting to just hand them a different style deck. Yeah, we are really, really attached to our French decks because it's 1v1. Like, Magic was initially started as a one-on-one duel between two wizards and when you have this chaos of wizards all fighting together it gets pretty complicated sometimes i just don't want to play multiplayer because i don't want to hit a billion and one upkeep triggers right. it can get crazy or 12 hours
0: yeah i mean
2: that's... yeah when turns when start taking half an hour to get through you kind of wish you were just playing one person
0: i won't lie it's that's at least for you know it's I'm like an hour and, and half 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 yeah. yeah when i when I'm i, I... Just... Yeah, when I can take a break, when I can go to the bathroom, come back and steal someone's upkeep, that's kind of been a deterrent <laughs> for me. <at> least, <laughs> you know,
1: I just I just kind of hate the French ban list.
0: I mean, the French ban list is, and we're going to talk about that another time, probably. But like, let's be real; they have different ban lists as well as to what cards aren't
3: allowed, what commanders aren't allowed. Like, and obviously, just, there's reasons that they're banned. Well, it is because some are just some more effective. Some are just infected, busted. Did they ring in French? Yeah, uh, all of the name mana rocks rock. I believe. Um, I think Ancient Tomb might be banned. I think Grimall is, is banned. To my knowledge, Mana Crypt and Mana Vault are also banned. Yes, they are. Aren't there a lot of
1: banned commanders too? Uh, there's only like yes. five.
3: For example, Derevi. Well <laughs> there, okay. There but that's go. now
0: broke as heck regardless of the format.
3: Derevi I mean, is I mean, far easier to deal with than multiplayer and something else that um, it that shows the difference between French players and uh, primarily multiplayer players, is a lot of French players are just used to building their decks in a different way. For multiplayer, you have a lot more to consider, you think about everything.
0: I mean, that's fair, and I'll buy that. So then, um, I mean, Kara, you probably have played more French than the rest of us, so what are the typical commanders you see for, you know, French in 1v1?
3: at my local store jeez um i see a little bit of everything i'd say that some of the more popular ones are because uh, i'm not 100 sure about the french band list anymore i don't think about it too much like i just play to play but yeah. um i see a lot of animar edric is really popular i think he's banned but no one really cares um let's see like, honestly, probably the biggest one is Animar. I've seen She's really I, good. I Ooh, know mine, you yeah. See Animar. Of, you see a lot of Reanimator, too. Oh, yeah, like Reanimator really one? Fast Reanimator combo control. Uh, I was the only Damia player, but she should be better. Now you see more Tasiger. You see more. I know at mine, I see a lot of Tassigar. I see Animar. I see. <laughs> surprisingly, yeah. I saw a lot of Mail,
0: and I saw a lot of uh, Rafik is the other Shout one? out to Mail. Yeah, shout, shout out to
3: Rafik. Rafik and Fex kill you on turn two. I know. Yeah. everything about that deck is slapping
0: me. slapping the grafted exoskeleton on that thing. It's just broke. Oh god. All right. The well, let's true facts though. Mm. Seriously. All right. So for this next section, before we because we're gonna move on, uh, we have all started looking at a deck and we've had time to kind of look at it. But for the rest of you, we're going to have we're gonna have a link shared with <clears> this. <throat> it is going to be a link to a Tasea. To a or Orzob deck, um, actually it's mine, it's one of my more casual decks, but everybody's kind of got the chance to look at it, and we're all kind of here, so, and what it will eventually be doing is hopefully we'll take decks that you guys send in to look at and kind of talk about since everybody loves having the deck critiqued and questioned and made fun of and heckled in some cases. I just want to know from you guys, what do you see when you look at the card choices? Because I can tell you my exact thoughts on what I did, but I just want to know what you guys think just looking at it first. Can I just start with to say it? Pro creatures, ew. <laughs> yeah, that's honestly one of my first opinions about it. Was <clears throat> pro creatures is such a good, just a, such a good ability. One of my earlier commanders was um... Commander Asia. Yes, exactly yes. that one. Commander Asia <laughs> was such a machine, and I just did tribal
4: soldiers with it. But just
0: tribal pro character. creatures on the
4: field is. Just so
1: cool.
4: I guess the first thing that I would say when I look over this uh, deck list is I get a little bit confused about the uh, individual cards, but as I noticed, this uh, basically looks like a block-constructed uh, commander deck. And mm-hmm. so it's not really in the way I sort of make decks, but I uh, it's very much on flavor, more above all else. So it's it's a hard to make the uh, suggestions of, you know, what would I swap in, what would I swap out? There's obviously a lot of purpose. You'd be correct. I, I mean... Yeah,
3: it, the flavor it, is great. There are a lot of things that could be replaced that you're missing out on. Like you have I really like part of you. I love Merciless Eviction in your list. Um, the primary issue I have with it is that you run a lot of creatures. And that can make it kinda of difficult when you're focused on that. Clue stone. What is all clue stone? Uh, hard card. card. You have a lot of strange cards that I don't really know because I didn't play in Return to Ravnica block. How did you not? I started. In Ther- <laughs> I started in Theros. Really? Yeah.
2: Oh. I got back into Magic in Return to Ravnica. Yeah, so. Return was was my 1st uh pre-ritual. I actually went upstairs into my like giant box of commons and uncommons and almost built this deck card for card save a few things. <laughs>
3: I do appreciate that your average CMC is quite low, though.
0: Yeah, as I say, what is the average CMC of this deck is approximately
1: 2.86. So this is a a lot. There's a lot of land. 36?
3: There are a lot of lands. Um, you're gonna have a pretty easy time with mana. It looks like, but since I imagine you went downstairs, opened up a box, and just pulled everything out of it to come up with a deck, you did pretty good based on what it seems like you did and the flip like honestly the best part about this is all the flavor from being returned to Ravnica block
0: I was gonna say and now I'll it give tells you a
3: story. I
0: was gonna say this is actually and now I'll give you what my thoughts were behind this when I built this so I'm sure you guys have done all those things where you start opening packs and decks just kind of come to you where it's like I have a billion red green cards from this one set and it conveniently you know I opened half a dozen roll cards you know um, that's literally what happened to me is that I had literally opened, you know, Mer- you know, Merciless Eviction to say uh, Underworld Connections. A lot of these cards were just like, I had just a bulk of these and there were only one-ofs and I thought about it and it was, you know what, I've played a lot of Return to Ravnica, I'm sure I have, you know, the majority of the stuff that can kind of make a cool deck about it. And the other thing I thought about with this is if you look at 9 of the creatures as you said, I think I have every extort creature that was that was printed, which I think is about 13 to 15. So what you see is that you have a bunch of extort with all these low-costing spells to help, you know, get out creatures that have extort and all that to kind of aid in the multiplayer. But all these cards, if you look at them, with the exception of, like, two that I had to fudge, all of them, as you noted, are from, like, Return to Ravnica block, and all of them are Man. mentioned
1: or of orza. You know what I love the most about this deck, though? I like the fact that it's super casual, and that when you're when you're when you're playing casual, you don't want to you're not trying to go through the game where it's like oh I win turn four. There's there's virtually no bombs in this, which if you're just playing for fun, you're trying to just pass some time. Like let's just say you're at an event and you're just you're you've twenty minutes left in games and you're just like I, I need to do something. This would be a great. Deck to just sit around and just mess around.
2: Quick question: Why Skyblinder staff?
0: Skyblinder staff, literally because of the mention of where is it? I need to find it on my. It's in the flavor text. It literally mentions
2: Orzov.
1: If that's that's the only thing
2: thing between me and a mountain of Orzov coins, that I'm about to be very rich, Steve. Yes.
1: Flavor, flavor, flavor. Oh my god!
2: That's really the only reason that card is terrible. (laughs)
0: Listen, there's reasons. Yeah. And things like that and Cremate, because Cremate is really not a card. Like, a one-mana cantrip is not my ideal thing to play. <laughs> Neither is Beck and Apparition. Like, one mana to get a 1-1 is not the worst thing on a planet. But
3: guys, when you're going through the Rogue's Passage, rumors quickly spread among thieves about a leaven, <laughs> without walls and a prize beyond all measures of worth. And we'll do flavor things later, but...
0: I just figured I'd share this with you guys, and this would be an interesting one to start off, because...
3: It's really cute.
0: Yeah, oh, it's, a, it's a good casual deck, you know? And this is not by any means the one I play, but this is one I, like you said, like you've said, Kara. I run around, but I, I'm i <laughs> casually playing Commander. Someone challenged
4: me, and I can see they've been playing for like two months. Let me play this little kind of a dirtily deck. And I would say that probably the only thing that I might do if I had this deck, and I wanted to keep making it new uh, in the long term... I might slowly try to trade into um, old Ravnica Orzhov cards so so that it it was fair. you know yeah
3: yes and also get better lands yeah Please. well the
0: land count and as we said because I'm trying to keep it, I was always trying to keep it return short of having the um, I would find the Orzhov, like specifically Orzhov lands or I would put in the black lands but like, you have to use only
3: the Ravnica basics or you stink
0: yeah exactly <laughs> all right so speaking of block things. Everybody's excited because we're getting new origin stuff, right? Da, yeah. da, Seriously, this new da, stuff is great. Um, last core set. Yes, last core set. I'm so sad for that.
3: I like the lore that comes with all the new sets. Battle for Zendikar, guys. So, so soon. So soon. Oh, God
0: um, means- Kevin, please give us one of the first mechanics and let's talk about what this means for EDH and even French in 1v1. What does that mean? Let's talk about what these mechanics mean for that.
1: All right. Um, well, first of all, before I even get to the mechanics, the first new thing that, that everyone saw right away was the flip planeswalkers. Oh my Woo! god, yes.
4: And uh, those are really relevant because, uh, as legendary creatures on the front side, they are all eligible as commanders.
0: I think honestly, this is the best decision they've made for like even if it wasn't planned for EDH. I think this was the coolest decision that they made for EDH in a like longest time. Like if they don't ever do it, like because we missed a, a, a commander style release product. I think this was their nod to the commander community, saying like, we didn't forget about you. Check out this cool thing.
4: Uh, also worth noting, not only did they make these five Planeswalkers usable as commanders, they are also usable as
1: Tiny Leaders commanders. Are they? All five of them oh, are they're all
4: three or cmc or less
1: Yes, that is true.
4: Yep. By the that. way, I'd
1: like to amend a statement I made. This is not the first flip Planeswalker. Correct, because we do have Guru. You, you do um, have Garuk. Yes, but is the first
0: that is a it's a creature. Yeah, so the creature yeah, then, yeah. This is the first, and I mentioned it in the article. For any all like thirteen of you that like read and commented about it, Um I mentioned it. I don't like calling it transform. They're still using transform, but it doesn't feel like it's a transform. It feels like it's, I said, enlightened because that's what it is. It's like they get their spark. This is like that moment they hit their spark, and bam, they're planeswalkers now. <laughs> I actually kind of hope they like listen in and like hear that or like decide that, but I know that's never gonna happen. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think, how do you think those commanders are going to affect the EDH format, though? Do you think we'll see a lot of them, or do you think they'll just kind of be in the 100?
3: I think we'll see, there are many possibilities with some of these. Um, like, honestly, I'm looking at the quality of them as a legendary creature, more than the quality of them as, like, the planeswalker, even though you're supposed to worry a lot more about the planeswalker. Like, the best one out of all of them so far. Chandra looks crazy cool, like, as a legendary creature. Yes, let's just continue. You can ping three times in a turn without flipping her. You can cast a bunch of red spells to feed it. But other than that, like, we get to see a couple Planeswalkers we haven't seen in quite some time. Gideon and Nyssa are back, ladies and gentlemen, and Gideon is looking fine. <laughs> I think the only
0: thing that I and I kudos them for doing this in green, it was nice to see Nyssa. We spent the last two sets with Garouk, and we didn't need another Garuk. We really didn't. We're well I mean we didn't her. have Nyssa last year. we would had this yeah, but we only we've only seen Nyssa two times, in a core set and in Zendikar. And mm-hmm. to see her again, it, I think is cool. I would have liked to have seen someone else in, not and not that we don't need another Chandra, and not that it wasn't great. I would have liked to have seen someone else in red, like a, maybe a Koth again or somebody else. Koth will
3: make his comeback. I don't think I don't yep. think Koth is ready to come back yet. Koth's got his own thing. Well, no, going he's on.
0: right now. He's and I'm going to paraphrase the lore. He's still technically fighting for. New mm-hmm. phyrex- against New Phyrexia, um, so he's probably not going to come around until that happens again.
3: He's probably uh, dead.
4: Last I heard, Koth was arming a bomb and telling Elspeth to planeswalk away. Yeah, so he might have blown himself up, but in the, off-screen, there's no way he's dead.
0: Yeah, I mean yeah. that's why I paraphrase it. Um, yeah, but even but in...
3: guys, really look at the new Gideon for anyone no, who has the not seen Gideon it. New Gideon
0: is sexy oh as shit. God. I won't lie.
3: The planeswalker side of um, the. Hytheon Hero of Akros, who is the legendary creature human-soldier 2-1 one for 1. The planeswalker side starts at 3 loyalty, plus 2, up to 1 target creature an opponent controls attacks Gideon's Battleforge during its controller's next turn of fable. Plus plus 1, until your next turn target creature gains indestructible, untap that creature, and 0, until end of turn. Gideon Battleforge becomes a four-four human soldier creature with indestructible that's still a planeswalker and prevent all damage that would be dealt to him this turn.
2: I like that Gideon's still planeswalker that turns into a creature that beats things up. He's but that's Gideon's
3: max stuff. That's, that's his, his thing.
2: Care. That's his Better, He just goes and fights. He doesn't care.
3: Liliana takes away people's cards, Jace draws you cards, Nissa does dumb stuff. Chandra <laughs> likes to burn things. And Gideon's just like I am mad.
1: The
0: other one I that and, man. the other one that I was going to say, I don't know if I was, I was okay seeing, but I wasn't. I was kind of like another one was Jace. I'm kind of uh,
4: interesting. Yeah, it's like, a little I bit of history. Family. Um, since the core set got rebooted in Magic twenty ten, uh, blue and red have been Chandra every year ever since. It's true. Um, white and black were a jo- were a mix of a Johnny um, Gideon. Sor- black once had Soren. Yep. Um, but it's been Liliana and Sorin in black and Gideon and Ajani in white. Uh Green was Garouk up until we got Nissa last year and obviously again this year. But
3: hasn't shown up in a corsa in quite some time. She never has. She never has. She never has. No, never only
0: in Zendikar.
4: Why? No. Uh Elspeth was Alara. And um Alara and Merodin and Theros.
0: She's dead now anyway. They spent a lot of her plot. Um, we followed her off of, basically, her story is that we follow her off of Alara once it split up and then reformed. We followed her trying to find a new home and watching her go to Mirrodin and getting, feeling like she was, she belonged there. And then losing that. And then the Theros and trying to fit in there. And her thing's mm-hmm. just literally been like not being able to find a home.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's you been know, kind of time.
3: Maybe, maybe she should just pull in Azusa and go to Kamigawa and stay there.
0: I mean, maybe, but who knows?
3: The people of Kamigawa are my family in Kamigawa. But then we have... Mm.
0: But then... Okay, but even in a case like that, because now that you mentioned Kamigawa, you know, Taimyo. She showed up briefly on Innistrad to see what was going on in the lore, and then we haven't seen her
3: yet. Yeah. Yeah. Why did Venser have to go? Why did Venser have to go? Venser had to sacrifice himself.
4: I will say not seeing Taimyo again has been a little bit of a disappointment for me, because
3: I think she is... More
2: She's
4: pink. more exemplary of a mono-blue character than uh, Jace is. Sure. She's very much just, oh, I'm always curious, always wanting to learn. Hmm. Uh, Jace is a little bit more of protagonist-like. A... Yeah.
3: Jace in his lore feels like he should be a legendary creature the whole way through.
0: Mm. Alright, let's look at some of the other things we're getting. So, Kevin, what's, what's one of the other things we're getting?
1: Alright, so the first mechanic, Renown, blank, or blank is a given number. When this creature deals combat damage to a player, if it isn't renowned, put blank where the number is plus one plus one counters on it, and it becomes renowned. Uh, that's that's renowned. Renown.
3: Renown. Oh, renowned, now, Renown. oh, okay. Over okay. And then it gets stuff for being renowned.
0: So it's yes. it seems to me like we kind of cool. got a reprint of, or at least a variation on um whatever the one we just got in Theros was. Uh, heroic monstrosity. No monstrosity. Monst- 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 this works much know, like monstrosity.
3: Yes. It seems kind of like graft.
0: No, because graph would at least carry me. Graph allow you to carry it over. This just seems like if I deal damage, it just, it's just suddenly getting stronger, which to me strikes me as like a
2: monstrous thing. I feel well, like I like that more than monstrous because monstrous was like, oh, pay mana to do this, and it was mana.
4: notably, it is very similar to monstrous from a rule standpoint in that uh, whether or not it is uh, renowned or not is not tracked by the plus one counter. It's just an attribute of the card once it has triggered that ability. So if you put a plus one counter on a Renowned creature, it, has uh, it does not become Renowned just by having the counter. You have to if physically you pay it. Yeah. Yeah. It has to have hit. That's true. And if it loses the counter, it is still Renowned.
2: That's interesting. Yes. I want to say it's a better version of Monstrous or Monstrosity because like, I'm looking at a bunch of the cards in one of my decks that have Monstrosity and some of their monocosts were just crazy for like...
3: Nessie and Asp.
2: I'm, like, most uh, notably looking at Shipbreaker Kraken. That's, like, that's 8 mana for 4 plus 1 plus 1 counters. Granted, you get, like, bonus effects when you activate monsters. But, like, sinking 8 mana into something? That's a big cost. It is.
4: I'm a little bit more fond of, uh, monstrosity. Um, I'm a big fan of activated abilities. I mean, I'm also a very big fan of saboteur effects. But since these aren't really, um, these are just leveling up the creatures more than, uh, getting a combat trigger, it's uh, its not so much my uh, my jam.
0: So do you guys think this will be anything that
4: really has an impact on EDH,
0: or is this just kind of going to be one of those cute tricks that maybe someone has a rare, the one good creature
1: of? It's cute. I say cute trick.
4: Yeah. yeah generally, they're on relatively small creatures in that uh, Renown is associated with Bant. Um, yeah. That's why it's in the white and green creatures mostly. It's not really uh, up to like, you know, you think of EDH as the format of lots of big fatty fats, and uh, a lot of these creatures are not really up to par in uh, that sort of big grueling uh, yeah, arena. Yeah, so
3: far, like so far, we haven't seen many bombs. Like,
4: well, the one that they uh, posted Alex today, the
3: incarnate, yeah,
4: yeah. The, the white white tapa uh, guy with, that thing uh, is good, he's nuts.
3: That is nutsoid. Like, if you land that early and you can hit people... Tideons are Irregulars is 2 and 2 white, Renown 1. For double white, you can tap target creature.
4: And it's a 4-3. The stats are very good. The tap ability is literally as cheap as it could possibly be. You
3: amazing. don't have to have Fun.
4: this. Incredible.
3: Yeah, you, it doesn't even have to be renowned to tap stuff.
4: And that's what I was honestly expecting when I was reading the card, but then I was like, oh my gosh, how do you how do you ever beat this in Limited?
3: You cry a little.
1: All right, next is Spell Mastery. If there are two or more instant and or sorcery cards in your graveyard. Do blank. That's essentially it. Replacement effect. It's and cute. usually they're they're better effects yeah. than originally.
0: Uh, I know the one I, I talked about in my article was it takes the... You get the X to the creature, but you also get X to the player if you have a Spell Mastery. That,
4: that one, one really struck me as more of a limited card. Uh, I think as far as the commander side of things, the green one looks amazing.
1: Nissa's Pilgrimage, a green and two. Search your library for up to two basic forest cards. Reveal those cards and put one onto, one onto the battlefield tapped and the rest into your hand and then shuffle your library. For Spell Mastery, if there are two or more incident or sorcery cards in your graveyard, search your library for up to three basic forest cards instead of two.
3: They still need to be tapped. Better than Cultivate. Still bad.
0: I mean, it's... At but least, least you can th- stop
3: playing Cultivate.
4: But, here's the thing is, three lands is really relevant, so I think that's pretty solid
3: is the, the idea that game
4: you're game? next that you take this turn to spit your next turn up for uh two really to quite go. a lot yeah it's really it's re- a huge jump i know ranger's path and skyshroud claim are like considered one of the some of the most powerful ramp spells no, three, four, in uh,
3: visits, Kadama's Reach? Um, honestly um it does seem really good don't get me wrong. It seems really, really good, and there are going to be some great synergies in it. It reminds me a little bit of just a better version of a lot of the ones that get you two lands. It is better yeah. than cultivate. Like, well, does,
0: doesn't cultivate get you one into play on tap though?
3: No, well, I just, it's no, one, just one into one play hand, One hand,
1: one tapped. Okay.
3: And it's worth noting that Cultivate
4: is going to be seen more play in certainly two and three col- uh, three color decks because this only gets you basic force. So does this This might is, come
3: as a surprise, yeah. but you will also only see Cultivate in green decks.
0: I don't I don't actually I kind of disagree with that. In a three color deck in a I would argue that in like a French Naya deck, I might use that to go find my, you know, my stomping grounds, my, you know, some other, you know, my other two things that happen to have forest, and my shocklands that also have forest.
3: Yeah, like, but that's you can't really since good. But it says
4: basic. Does it yeah, say this one basic says basically basic. Yeah,
3: no. Enjoy um, your dream crush.
4: If, it, if yeah. it didn't say basic, that'd be nuts. That's what, that's what like, I about Okay, it, I'd it, play Keridor, I mean, I'd go get my Murmuring Bosk, and my Temple Garden, and my Overgrown Tomb, and that's just, that's totally unfair. Uh, that's <laughs> nice.
3: So, while we're on Spell Mastery, yes. I would like to briefly touch upon Dark Petition, um, yes. For one, Grizzled Brand is a sexy beast in the art, and he looks like King Kong holding a small woman. And it appears we have Nosferatu standing in front of him. Um, Dark Petition is three and two black. as a sorcery that says search your library for a card and put that card into your hand, then shuffle your library. Spell Mastery, um, you get to add three mana to your mana pool. Three black? Um, three
0: That's black mana. Nice. So, so it essentially pays...
3: It does not fully pay for itself. It but is full it it considerate a two mana spell um now what's the rarity it is a solid rare
1: okay pretty much
3: a demonic um, tutor at that point yeah it has the potential to be a little bit of demonic tutor and a little bit of uh dark ritual and it it does technically almost pay for itself i don't think you're gonna see it in limited play however um, even I'm gonna kinda try this in EDH, it's a 5 cost Tutor, but yes. in the decks you're gonna play it in, there should be yeah. stuff in your graveyard, practically pays for itself, so... Well, I mean,
0: imagine and imagine how bonkers that is! Imagine I would just being con- able to, yeah. For, for
3: EDH, pick up at least one, consider specking on it as an EDH card, Yeah. because it has, like, it's just better than Diabolic Tutor, strictly. Well, well
0: imagine being able to just search up your... Any of your reanimate spells, you know, Dance of the Dead or Animate Dead, and just being yeah. able to pay for, or, you have it mostly ooh. paid for.
3: Dark Petition for Dark Ritual, and then you have five mana, and then you really did pay for yourself.
1: Yeah, or even ooh. anything like that. You we re-anime. do have to remember, though, that all of these Spell Masteries still require the two or more instants or Sorceries, so yeah. it's not going to happen right yeah. away. Well, no. And and, jib- yeah. This is not going to be a turn one play. No, not not by any means, and any of these. It'll cards. Drop anyway, yeah. No, so, I mean any of the spellmaster cards though.
3: So, yeah. like the earliest I can imagine you hitting it is probably going to be turn three. Like yeah. it seems like if you hit your swamps and you've got your soul ring or you've got another mana rock, or if you're me and you play green black and you have a dork, like that's a solid turn three to four play, and it sets you ahead on mana. It sets you ahead on a little bit of card advantage. You can get what you need. Like, watch out for that one.
4: It's- when I see Dark Petition, I tend to think of the answer-heavy white-black decks, mm-hmm. in that it's a tutor that is very good when you're just like, well, I need this specific kind of removal to solve the problem at hand. Uh, this yeah. turn, I need Damnation, okay, so I go tutor, I get some of the mana back for Damnation, and with six mana up total, I Damnation from the deck that turn. Or maybe I need the Merciless Eviction instead.
3: Yeah. yeah. yeah and same. maybe even a you can hit the stuff that's two mana. Yeah, like, just saying. being able to hit your... Just remember, guys, like, all the big, dumb green creatures die to, like, ultimate price.
0: How about the fact that you can just cast murder for free? You can find your murder, murder and find it. You
4: know? Who plays murder? Who plays no. murder? I... I mean, it doesn't have to be murder. It no. can be uh, Heroes
1: Downfall. Heroes Downfall, no. Doom Blade, anything. Yeah. Very go.
3: Yeah. By the way guys, Unmade. don't ever forget, Hero's Downfall, strictly better than murder, even though we're
1: not. Now there's one more thing, and technically it's not new, but we no longer need to say that this creature can't be blocked by, except by two yes, other we creatures. Now to say, Menace. Menace.
0: Yes, we're not going to touch crazy. Yeah. Others, but Menace is now... A I am
4: so done. happy about that. I just want to ask real quick, what does everybody uh, nickname that ability as? Because I've heard different names from every single person I've talked to. I've never had a name
1: for it. I never. I just always just said it, but now we have a name for it, and I'm so happy.
0: Mm-hmm. I never had one for it. I was just kind of referred to it as like the pseudo unblockable because it's. I've always just looked at it and gone, I have to chump this, this means, or I have to have more firepower.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: I just called it annoying. I know a lot of players who have played for a really long time, so the two things I, tend to he- I tended to hear was the first time it showed up was uh, Goblin War Drums. Oh, yes, um, yes, yes, Wardrums. And a lot of people call it the Goblin Wardrums ability, and I've been hearing that a lot. But what I'd heard more for a long time was people would call it the Two-Headed ability from oh, Two-Headed yeah, yeah. Dragon. You got to put two guys in it's front of it, and it was always very intuitive. Yeah. But uh, I would say the only thing I don't like about this ability name is that it's not menacing. It's just <laughs> menace. It should, yeah, I... I... No, I'm it's menace.
3: like they're letting you know that it's a menace. It can be a menace without being very menacing. Right, but I mean, like, we have flying... Nobody gives a shit about flavor anymore. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. lost in that regard.
0: All right, let's jump on. This is going to be the last part, and this is going to be the part we're going to look for you, you, our listeners, and this is we're going to take a question that got sent to us from uh, one of our followers. Hip Next Door Neighbor asks, Hey, I'm making a flyer EDH deck with Maloku, the Clouded Mirror. Any suggestions would be appreciated. Someone just give us a quick, what is Maloku?
3: Maloku it costs four and a singular blue mana, She is a 2-4 with flying legendary creature, Moonfolk Wizard. Uh, For one mana, return a land you control to its owner's hand, and then you put a uh, 1-1 blue illusion creature token with flying into play. So let's just quick brainstorm. What kind of things would you want with this commander?
0: Mystic stuff.
3: Landfall.
4: Landfall's
0: big.
3: Mm -hmm. Why? You're returning lands to your hand, not... So that you can get the landfall
4: over and over again. You're going to landfall all the time.
3: In blue, you don't have a lot of landfall. Uh, The best
4: one uh, that comes to mind is Royal Elemental. Um, Hedron Crab? Hedron Crab, yes. (laughs) I'm sorry. Hedron Crab? Come
0: on, seriously. That's going to be like my pauper tiny leader whenever that happens. But
3: yes. Um, Um, I like Oboro Palace of the Clouds in this deck. It is a land that taps for one blue mana, and for one colorless mana, you can return it to your hand. If you're, since you're playing Mono
2: Blue, and if you don't feel like if you don't mind feeling like a huge jerk, you could play Quicksilver Thumb. That would be good too.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's a fun card. Um, I, I
0: love you, that card. I think the other thing to note that's important is the type of creatures that you get back from this. You get illusions, and that's we had a big thing for that not too long ago in M10. Oh, uh, M12, that. M12, yeah, yes. So I mean, I think that's big to look at all the illusion stuff you got too, like the. Um, Lord of uh, Lord of Illusions, the Lord yeah. of Illusions, pretty Lord of the unreal. Yeah,
3: yeah, that guy. Ooh, a potentially fun island if you want, or a fun land if you want to try to mess with uh, Maloku's ability is to Isle. I don't know if you guys know what that does, so I will tell you. It is a legendary land with phasing. Oh god, phasing. ECB is tapped, and when you tap it, you can add two mana to your mana pool. You add two so blue,
4: it. but it phases every Actually, Actually, uh, that's probably the worst one, because if you return that mm-hmm. to your hand, uh, it takes two turns to use Fairy's Isle, because before you can tap it, after it untaps, that's the fun part. it phases out. I mean, it makes a uh, wall Favorable
2: happy. wins, favorable wins, good card in this deck.
4: Yes, yeah. yeah, you have flyers. Um, Unfortunately, the two best cards I could think of uh, were are both relatively expensive, but the ones that you get a ton of mileage out of are Opposition, which oh, is two blue-blue. Yeah. You can tap any creature you control to tap a permanent an opponent controls. Yes. So if you have more creatures than they have lands, um, tough luck, it looks like I'm playing Magic and you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, land Equilibrium is another really good one. Oh my gosh, uh,
3: that card's of
4: the in the uh, It can lock people out of getting into their high la- land totals, but that's very expensive. It's uh, for approximately a $40 card.
3: But oh. another good land, since I like to talk about lands, and I'm sorry, I really like to talk about lands. I like, um, whatchamacallit, Cephalid Coliseum for this deck, just because it can draw mm-hmm. you cards. And don't forget, your commander is a wizard, and you don't want her to die if you plan on abusing her ability. So please, please, please run your Riptide Laboratory. It's like a $5 card, you can tap it for colorless mana, and for one and a blue, you can tap it and return a wizard to your hand. Just There's no reason not to play it, it even if it's just to protect your commander, if you plan on using her primarily. Don't let her die, it makes you look like a jerk.
4: There is one other cheap one that I remembered. A uh, Patron of the Moon. Yes. Oh, yeah, moonfolk yeah, yeah. offering, moon and since your commander is a moonfolk, furthermore, his ability lets you pay one mana to put two land cards from your hand back into play, so you can use him to work against the disadvantage that Maloku can create by returning your lands. You're right, there's plenty of help from the other moonfolk. The few that we have, which I'd
0: love to see that as Expanded Tribe, but the plenty that we get from that in Kamigawa block, which most are really cheap because that, that Block as a whole is inexpensive. All right. Well, we're gonna cut it there. Thank you, everybody, for your listening. Please comment. You know, leave us some feedback. Ask us your questions. Send us your decks. We want some stuff to talk about. We want to help you. We want you to. We want to hear what you guys think. And if you had fun, well then yay. Yeah.
3: Yeah, If you like it, tell us what you want us to change. Let us know. That's what we're here for. We're open
1: for constructive criticism. Except
3: for me, because I'm right and you're not.
1: But most
0: importantly, we're here for you guys. Without you guys, we are nothing. And we love you. Yeah, we love you guys. Send us your feedback. Send us your decks. Send us your questions. We'll answer them all in due time. Thank you, everybody, and we'll catch you on the next podcast.